Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for being part of the program today, both myself and my co-host, Pat. We're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We are, spend our work, working days as financial planners, helping people make wise choices with their dollars, and we broadcast uh, on the weekends our program here, helping you make good choices with your dollars. Yes. Essentially. That's From a it. studio in person. We're not doing this over a Zoom meeting. <laughs> we used so we used to do for so we did this program live for many years. And we were like I always said if I could do it Tuesdays at 10, I could do this show forever. But coming in sometimes we were it used to be Sunday mornings at 11. Yeah. I remember before we used to I used to go to the bookstore to get the Barons um oh, to, yeah, Barons we'd would do come the out market on Saturday update. afternoon. So you it would be delivered like four o'clock. This is this is how long we've been doing the show before you can get the information on the internet. That's hilarious. That's, yeah, we'd drive down and get the uh, paper. That's right. Yeah, so we had the information be of kind of recap of the week and all that. But you can get market information everywhere. There's no reason for us. That's why, unless there's big changes in the market, we don't cover the week because we assume that you actually have yeah, high yeah, speed yeah. internet. <laughs> <You> can, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're making the assumption. <laughs> we're not. We don't go over what the market. We used to. Yes, but. But Not now. It's, it's pretty much it, readily yeah. available. So we like to talk about financial planning topics and real world situations that involve people and their financial situations, not broad markets. Although at times we will touch on the broad markets if something really earth shattering takes place, whatever that yeah. means. But even a ten to fifteen percent pullback. And then the remember we had uh, we had like a studio and a briefcase essentially these little Comrex units. And I'd be away for the lacrosse tournament with my kid, and you go to the hotel and you try to get a good good internet connection, and they always look at you weird, and you're trying to, and then yeah, and invariably then it was, it's 15 minutes before the we're supposed to go on live, and you were having challenges, and then I'm angry. I, I would come on angry. In fact, at one <laughs> point in time, time, I remember you called me. And you're like, "Why are you so angry?" I said, "Because I'm fighting with the hotel for the last 20 minutes trying to get a." <laughs> anyway, I don't want to talk about that. Anyway, but wait, we're but not, not, wait, we got fantastic studios, and we're recorded. But you're thinking it sounds live. What happens is you call the show eight three three ninety nine worth, and we schedule a time for you to be on the show. We don't interview you. We don't know the questions you're going to ask. It's just, just like the way Judge Judy does her programs yes pounds them out quickly it goes on a judge judy i don't think that i think judge judy probably lives in a different um economic stratosphere than we do she lives in uh, naples florida she does yes someone was trying to tell me that i should consider moving into judge judy's neighborhood i'm like first of all i have zero desire to live in naples florida if you're listening from naples nothing against naples i just too flat for me Okay. And I really could care less about having Judge Judy as my neighbor. <laughs> okay. I'm sure she's a fine individual. Yeah. She might I've be never even actually even watched the show. Why did I even bring her up? Okay, let's just go to the calls. If you'd like to join the show, the show 833-99-WORTH, 833-99-WORTH. Our last week, we wanted to talk about tax havens and the 15% rate. We never did. Nationally. We never did. We promise we are going to get to it. On today's shows, because I think it's actually, I think it's this minimum global tax rate. I think it's going to be interesting actually to see how put it this together, how it turns out. Force this, the EU can't enforce their own I each, think each other. We're gonna let's talk about. They've it. done a terrible job enforcement, let's, even on uh, their de- deficit spending. They all they all agreed to something they couldn't. Let's talk know. about this, and then let's talk about the state the United States of America and how states actually use tax rates in order to draw business. All there right. is a big comparison there. All right, but let's go to the calls now. We're talking with David in Sacramento. David, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi, guys. How are you today? Awesome. We are really good today. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, my wife is also here listening in, so I uh, wanted her to hear whatever thoughts you guys might have so that we could talk about them afterwards. All right. So here's our situation. We're about 10 years, nine to 10 years away from retirement. So ideally, we're not 
maybe the guys that you would be talking to, but we have some ideas and we want to run them by Perfect. you and, you know, maybe see if there's anything glaring that you see that would keep us from what we want to achieve in retirement. Fire away. Okay. So my wife and I have an idea. We, well, we've been talking about it for a couple of years now. Uh, we want to retire and leave the country. Okay. We want to go to Portugal. Okay. Um, and uh, just to give you some idea of what we are, what we just have. Just out of curiosity, uh, I, just out of curiosity, why do you want to go to Portugal? I mean, just... uh, we 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 love the the region. Uh, we love that we can probably live on thirty five percent of uh, what we are living on today with no concessions. Um, it, it just appeals to us to to be able to live in Western Europe and then have access to other points in Europe to go. Yeah. So it's kind of being close to the other stuff that we want to be a part Got of. It. Okay. Got it. Okay. So what's your okay. uh, situation look like? Okay. I'm 58. Uh, she is 53. Um, I make a salary. Uh, my salary is 141. Uh, hers is 70. Um, we own a home. We uh, purchased uh, We purchased at 459. We owe 434 on the mortgage. Uh, the house is probably worth 625. Okay. Um, I have uh, I have a pension, uh, which is about 47,000 now. It by the time I'm 67, it would probably be about 130 range, 130 ish range. You're, you'll have an annual uh, pension of 130,000. No, 130,000 total. So if I were to do a one time pool. Oh, so it's not a pension. It's a it's a four hundred one k or an IRA. It's not a defined cash benefit. balance it's, pension it, plan. It's not a monthly payment. It's not a well. They can annuitize it. Okay, okay, I got it. But but the value the the lump sum value today you is forty seven. You said in ten years it will be how got much? One thirty ish. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, I have a four hundred one k has one hundred seventy thousand in it. Um, it, I'm contributing at uh, 8%, uh, and I have a 4% Roth catch-up uh, attached to that. Uh, my wife is a school educator. Uh, she's a counselor. So I think I think she has a 457 or something like that, I yep. think it is. Yep, yep. Uh, and and how long is she – is she under covered under um, STRS or PERS? What are you covered under? Um Hers, I think. Hers. Okay, that sounds right. And how long has she been um, a school counselor? Like 15. 15 years. Okay, so you're vested. So do you have an idea of what the pension will be in 10 years from the PERS? Yeah, at 62, it's a range of 2800 a month. Okay, perfect. Okay. She also has a Roth IRA that has about eight grand in it, and we're adding about 400 bucks a month. To that every month, just adding stocks, uh, just by the primarily buying stocks, and uh, we are in about a year. I think we'll have everything else clear to push about seventeen hundred a month after tax uh, toward investments. Okay. Um, so that's essentially the picture. Uh, is there anything? And do you have kids? Grown kids? A, uh, we do have grown kids. We also have a fourteen and a thirteen year old. Uh, we don't have enough act right coming from them to want to talk about them at this point. Okay. If that makes sense. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so you're probably okay. Portugal is a relatively inexpensive place to live in Europe. I don't know about uh, the healthcare system. So what we see a lot of clients moving to is uh, Ecuador, Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, um, because, and a lot of the time, it has to do with actually the healthcare system. Um, my guess is Portugal's got a state mandate. A state they have a they have an excellent healthcare system. Now, I think the only thing that we're trying to figure out, okay, it's excellent, is it excellent for seniors, right? So we don't know that yet. But we're still investigating that. That's right. And there and there is a an expat group of people that are living in Portugal that you could communicate with, which if you haven't started that already. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. So what's your question for us? Our question is not whether or not we look like we can get do what we want. Is there anything glaring in our game plan from you guys, you know, looking you know, 10 years out, of course, 
uh, that says, well, you know what, I would do more of this, or, you know, if you don't do that, then I would see that, you know, there might be risk in terms of what you want to do. Is there anything that's... that's well, the thing, the thing, the, that so the, the first thing, I, I, like, you've got family income of over $200,000, and y- y- you don't even have a year's worth of savings. You're not saving enough money. You don't, have a, you don't even have one year's of annual savings. I'm just being totally transparent. And this is a second marriage, my guess? That's correct. Okay, okay. so the rebuild there and all we go. that. So I mean, I'm yeah. guessing it was a second marriage. All, by the way, 99% of the time, divorce is disaster on finance. So so you had mentioned putting $400 a, a month into the Roth. So your wife has access to both a 457 and a 401k. Um. She should be using both those. You're messing with a Roth IRA, $400 a month. That's just a waste of time. Just don't even – you're making it much more difficult. I don't think I difficult. would use a Roth given um, the, the income, income level. Yeah. So you, you've got – you're not saving enough money. That's all it comes down to. Um, mm-hmm. You're just flat out not – you should maximize at least her 457, your 401k to the maximum, pre-tax basis, and then – on addition to that, and this is a quirk, the rest of the people listening are like, what? In the state of California, if you are a PERS employee, you have both what's called a defined contribution, deferred plan, which is a 401k, and you had a deferred compensation, which is a 457. They don't count against each other just because of the way they're structured. So she could put up to, what, $46,000 a year, $50,000 a year, somewhere in that range. Um, so you're not saving enough money, just flat out. And so that's what the, the issue is. It's nice because you both have, she has, she'll have a great pension from PERS, a uh, great pension from PERS. Uh, you, you need to, to, to save more money. That's all there is to it. And as, although it's going to be inexpensive to, to live in Portugal, there's going to be travel back and forth. There's going to be travel mm-hmm. while you're there. And then you might have some health issue or something that causes you to be back here. So then you, I mean, we still need to be prepared to be in a financial situation to to sustain ourselves in the U.S. Yeah. So in a 10-year track, you're on, you just need to tune it up, save more money, make the allocation 65% stock, 35% bonds and cash, a good portfolio um, for mix for you and a good advisor would could actually give you that. And I don't think, normally I would recommend someone to pay down the mortgage. I don't think I would in this situation. I wouldn't pay if you're going to be leaving, um, then the, the liquidity is going to be more important. Yeah, I agree. The liquidity is mm-hmm. going to be yeah. more important, which is in the savings. So I wouldn't, you know, if you said you were, you, if you said you were retiring in the U.S. in California, we would say, well, you probably should think about a different place to retire in the U.S. But you're going overseas in the cost of living now. Now, right. I don't know what it's going to be in ten years, right? If Right. Too many people like you. You shouldn't have called the radio show because now people are actually going to be more interested in Portugal. I haven't thought about Portugal. I haven't thought. And then on next thing you know, the prices are going to go I've not up. been to Portugal. So I have I not been know. to Portugal mm-hmm. myself, but I have been to Spain and they're relatively close by. I've been to Spain. So. And I've been to... Uh, anyway, appreciate well, the call. The Can- I've been to the Canary Islands, which I would not recommend, by the way. But I'm not much of a cruise... Let me rephrase that. I don't like cruise ships at all. And I was on one right after I broke my leg. And... Um, with some f- good friends and now, are they still friends? I almost jumped overboard. Are they still friends? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well and then they it talk wasn't about that how bad. fond they have f- very fond memories of. <laughs> no, they don't. I swear to you. <laughs> Remember that great time we had ten. Well, years they ago? don't have fond memories of you on the cruise. They have fond memories of the cruise. Uh, they do lots of cruises of being with us. They enjoy that a oh. great deal. Wow, I, I have different memories. I would not want to be on a cruise with you. Why? You're too active. You were like, let's get off. Let's they move had, around. So as a point, in, they had a climbing wall on the ship, and they they see there's a competition at 6 p.m. and whatever. So I'm like, finally something to do. I'm not playing bingo, sorry, again, which is why I was dragged out of the bingo. I show up. I just, I've, I've, I can't even barely walk. I just got a cast off my, my leg. I'm thinking. Did you win? No one showed up. Oh, so you the whole won. ship. <laughs> so you won. That's a shallow win. That was my plan, though. <laughs> that, was, that was the plan. <laughs> <It's a> sh- <laughs> <laughs> I, 
don't know the why. whole week. All <laughs> week we're on a cruise with the family. Everybody's having a good time. This guy's like, oh, there's a competition on Wednesday night. <laughs> Not you, that I'm competitive at all. Honey, did you see that we get to climb this fake wall? The safety harness? <laughs> Maybe the movement of the ship makes it more challenging. Oh, I, You're reaching. It's not. I've done one on a cruise <laughs> oh, okay. ship before. I beat my 13-year-old son up the, that thing. I just remember sitting there. They had a belly flopping contest at the pool. Oh, no. And I was thinking, you got to be kidding me. Like, is this what we're doing for entertainment? I got to sit at this pool in the Scott, middle of the ocean on the Scott, way to the Canary Scott, Islands? Scott, 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 Scott. Pointing out, we have a large demographic that loves cruises. Most people let's, do love cruises. I get that. Let's move on. I understand. Yes, let's, and I love people who love cruises. I really do. Let's move okay, on. Okay, we're uh, we're talking with Kelly. Kelly, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, hi. Good morning. And, hi, Kelly. Uh, thank you for having me, Scott and Pat. Thank you. Thank you. What can we do for you? So um, my question is about uh, stock, vested and unvested stock. Um, I work for a company that is uh, currently private, and um, I have partially vested stock. So uh, the company is thinking about um, going public okay. and uh, doing an IPO. And um, if they do go public, what happens to the unvested stock? Do I just continue my normal vesting schedule? It normally would accelerate so it should be in your by that what do you it, mean it means that it, it, it becomes vested it accelerates the vesting typically in um stock options and restricted stock units and man it's other incentive programs like this there's typically uh is something in the, in the language that says when when there's a change of control in the company there's an acceleration on those the vesting schedule so that whatever's unvested that's predicated on time, uh, become fully vested. Based on the change in control. So my guess is who, that- who, Who's the financial backer of the company? Are you guys, is this a C corporation now or are you owned by private equity? Or what's the structure now? Venture capital. Venture capital. Okay, so it's a, it's a VC-backed firm. So it was a small firm that has done very, very well over time. My guess is that they will most likely accelerate. Um, you may, but, have, they, but they'll they can accelerate, but put restrictions on when you can actually sell the stock. Yeah, so it might have a what's called a lockout period that normally would go from anywhere from six to nine to twelve months. Although I have actually seen these lockout periods accelerate as yeah. well, um, but that will all be in the offering. Uh, it should be in the offering uh, that comes out of legal at your department as to how these stocks will be uh, treated. We've also seen where now you and it's have, a strange position to be in, isn't it, Kelly? Because you're looking at this thinking this could be a financial game changer for me, but you have no control, right? <laughs> um, right, right. You have no control, and some of it's based upon what management decides, and it's also based upon what the market how the market reacts. But if it's a big enough uh, offering, we have actually seen, in fact, we just did one with a client. So this comes through uh, other advisors. There's 80 plus some advisors in our firm where uh, this person had actually, it was a privately held company that was going to be go public and they allowed the participants to offer their shares up for sale pre-IPO on an exchange. Yep. And those were vested. So there's exchanges yep. out there that you could actually, if your company allows you, is you could take your vested shares and bring them to the exchange. And then they put a price on it. It's an auction market. They put a price on it. Um, and you could sell your vested shares prior to IPO, right? Prior to. Then what happens with those is those lockout periods would apply to the purchaser of those particular shares of the company. So how quickly, and by the way, no one knows what company you work for and you shouldn't mention it um, because it's probably, um, there's a dark out period around the, 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 the stock anyway. How quickly do you think this is going to happen? Well, that's another really good question. Uh, let's say by the end, uh, let's say in a, in a, a year, 
a year, three months time. Okay, yeah. so that is so far out in venture capital. We're talking 15 months. That is such a long way away. It's like four lifetimes. Because the market, we don't have any idea what the markets are going to be like at the time. So they've got a business plan and a ramp plan, and they've got a two-year, three-year, four-year, five-year business plan. And in their business plan, it says execution at this date. And they probably share that internally. You know, these are the goals. That could change tomorrow. It could change next week. It could change this afternoon. So, um you should just not really worry about the unvested shares. Don't count on any part of it in your financial picture whatsoever. The vested shares, if you're allowed to sell them, you should actually bring those into the financial picture as well. And you could say, hey, look, I want to keep these because I think they're upside, but there's risk in it. Well, you can do put options on a very similar stock or industry to give you downside protection. And put option is essentially an insurance policy that will actually allow you to sell a stock at a price if that stock drops. And there's a cost associated with a put. And I have had clients do this in the past, uh, prior to 2008, they were in the real estate industry and they have stock in a privately held company. And they're like, this is going great, great, great. And I'm like, you know, there might be a downside to this. You might want to consider buying put options on other builders that are publicly traded that do exactly the same thing you do so that if the market falls apart, it acts as a proxy as a downside insurance on that. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, that does. Um, so a, a, and by the way, if you're going to use a financial advisor, this they're going to charge you by the hour and you need someone that is highly sophisticated uh, in order to actually address this. Normally, it would involve a tax team and a good financial advisor. How much, well, before you go into a lot of trouble, how, how much do you think you'd, you're going to get out of this? What do you think the value She's gonna of the stock is going to be? She's going to say $50, and then I'm going to like, <laughs> I wasted all those words. <laughs> what do you think the value of the stock is today? Now, the value of the stock today, um, <clears throat> let's put it this way, my, my, um, my, my stock is very advantageous. Is it so 10 million, 20 million? It's worth 10 or 20 million today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Oh, it's not. Absolutely not. No, but I mean, you know, when you talk about, you know, one of those Silicon Valley uh, unicorn companies, right? Yeah. It's sky's the limit, right? So that's kind of the. Um, the idea or the hope, but as you said, you know, it's so far off, you know, the discussions, the internal discussions, you know, could be realistic today, but maybe not tomorrow afternoon. When when you start seeing it uh, have values of the millions of dollars and it becomes a significant part of your net worth is when you want to start employing those contracts. Millions of dollars is a significant part of their net worth. Okay. Well, I don't know. She (laughs) might've, this might be her Uh, third trade. Um, right, right. So, right. And when you speak about the offerings, excuse me, the offerings that come out uh, um, from legal department, that those will be contracts stipulated that will have an effect on people who have stock in the company. Yeah, but you're 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 so far off. You if you went to legal and asked them that, they would just they have no idea. They'd yeah. say we don't know because you're just no, no, no. Right now, but I'm saying just yes, free cor- IPO. Correct, yeah, yeah, correct, yeah. Correct, correct. There'll be a okay. There'll be okay. a dark hire out some period. bankers that go through the process. They. And they'll put an estimated value the on it. The Securities Exchange Commission requires them to have this offering, and then the, the quiet period ahead of time, and the, the whole the whole process. Perfect. But and remember, okay. your company, the management team may have done this before. They may not have done this before, so they normally uh, hire outside experts that come in that do this on a daily basis. And it's just a change of control. Normally, uh, your you know your original question was, "What happens to my invested? They accelerate." Yeah. So okay. let's hope it all goes well for you, Kelly. It'd be pretty exciting. And appreciate the call. What's interesting, Pat, is that 25, 30 years ago, this company might have been public already. That's right. Companies went public all the time. I remember there was a car lived in my neighborhood that had license plate rim said, happiness is an IPO. And I thought, it's not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I'm not that kind of guy who would like, <laughs> I mean, just, <laughs> hey, look at me. Right? Like, that's what that was. Um, but, uh, but today, there's a lot of companies that remain private 
and sometimes like have no plans to go public ever. They're owned by private equity. They move from venture capital to private equity. Then they another private equity firm buys them out. Or they could be owned by a single pension fund or multiple pension funds without a private equity firm involved. There's lots of ways to the capital markets other than going public. Yeah. And as the public markets have become more challenging with additional regulation as the years have gone on, there's just trying to comply with the regulations costs millions of dollars per year. So a lot of companies are saying, "Who I don't? Who needs this? We're going to go some other route," and um, which is why there's less publicly traded companies today than there were t- ten years ago, or twenty years ago, or thirty years ago. It doesn't mean that the average investor doesn't have access through to them through mm. different things. Mm. Not, not if they, all. If they have a defined benefit pension plan. Oh, there we go. All right, we're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. And Pat McClain. And, um, hey, before we uh, get back to some stuff here, before you bring up what you want to talk about, Pat, which I think we should, um, we don't make a pitch very often for our firm, but uh, we are an investment advisory firm. We've got 80 plus advisors really across the country. We've got um, a couple main offices, but particularly in the age of Zoom and whatnot, we've a lot of people join us uh, and they, their entire interaction is over um, uh, computer monitors so they get to know us and all that. But just throwing it out there, like before you go hire a financial advisor or if you're maybe wondering if you got the right kind of setup now, just reach out to us and have a conversation with one of, our, yeah. one of our advisors before you do something. And and the, our advice that you're hearing on this radio show or podcast is part of the DNA of the firm. 100%. Right. Our so, advisors are required to listen to this program every week. Yeah. So whether they do or not. I know the successful ones do. They do. <laughs> they do. Because they, I get comments periodically. Yeah, yeah they'll actually. They'll, they'll I, send guarantee, an email. I know that our top advisors. They do. They're all so, educated and bright. But. So if you're looking for a financial advice or a second opinion or just questions, feel free to reach out to our firm. We're here to help. If it makes sense for you to hire us, then hire us. If it doesn't, then that's fine too. That's fine too. Okay. You so, wanted to. I wanted to talk about this global deal to end tax havens moves ahead as nations back 15% rate. This is out of, again, out of the New York Times. So what what happens is if you're a global Janet Yellen was pushing this by the this current administration she was yeah. meeting with the other large countries about let's have let's agree to some minimum tax so that we that one country doesn't have a hand up on another country so Ireland who had for years has famously been known to actually hold corporations that where a big firm let's say an Apple or Google might own their intellectual property. I had dinner with someone a week ago who they're in the process of doing a reverse merger. They're establishing a company in, in Ireland to do a reverse merger, merger to move what, the company to Ireland. What? So what is a reverse mer- merger, Scott? Well, I mean, it's, it's, they it's, buy a little, it's a, it's a way to, it's yeah, they buy a little company. <laughs> Actually, they're buying a little company. It's a way to transfer your headquarters and your operations from the U S to somewhere else for tax reasons, for tax reasons, for tax reasons. Right. So this is the organization for economic cooperation and development. The OECD organization for economic cooperation and development has been leading these negotiations. And what they're saying is, listen, if your company has annual revenues of 750 euros, million euros, right? So it's anywhere between, depending well, yeah, upon the exchange rate, 8.5, 850 million to 900 million dollars, that this would apply to you. But they have to have all the countries sign on to it. All the countries sign on to it to say, we don't want, th- but look, what's in the U.S. best interest? How do interest? they comply? How, how, where's the, how do they enforce, where's the enforcement? 
well, don't don't start poo-pooing this idea already. The, the, the enforcement will lack. They will lack enforcement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw this. I'm like, eh. Right. It's all. It's so all. what happens? When I looked at it as window dressing. What happens is that companies like Kenya, Nigeria, Pakistan, Sri Lanka said, no, nah, we're not signing this. What? How are we going to get by without those countries? <laughs> well, there are some countries that actually will emerge that will say that will be big winners in this that will say, yeah, we're not signing that. And it's, they have a stable enough government uh, and tax system that it would make sense. But what they're trying to do is to take com- countries like Ireland and Estonia into this plan. So, But then let's compare it to the United States of America. States do this all the time. I had... I had an unsolicited phone call and an email. Our corporate headquarters is located in California, although we have large office in Texas. Mm-hmm. But I received an unsolicited email and phone call. From whom? From some development company in Nevada. I don't know whether it was sponsored by the state of Nevada or was a private company saying, Pat, can you spend a couple minutes with you talking about why you should move your headquarters to the state of Nevada because it's a tax-free state? That was his, That's what he led with, right? That's tax-free his pit, state. That's the pitch, right? Look at what, what in the last week or two, uh, Tesla moves to uh, Texas, Austin. Yeah, it didn't help when the legislature tells him, puts in a tweet, F off. Yes, like, cor- correct, correct. <laughs> F Elon Musk. Yeah, correct. correct. I mean, it doesn't, if that the, isn't inviting. If the Paul, if, if, well, well, like, yeah, I, I would probably say, I guess you don't really want me here. That's so right. I'll yeah. go where I'm wanted. Yes. I don't blame him. Yeah. And at the same time, where Texas is saying, hey, can we buy you dinner? How about this land? How about a couple tax breaks? What do you think, yeah. uh, Elon? So it, um, it's it's good in theory. I don't think it'll I work. I don't think I don't know if it's good in theory or not good in theory. I think we need to be competitive. Period. I don't like the whole concept of a minimum tax. How about minimum being zero? How about we get to a point where we let corp? I mean, I mean the whole okay. concept of minimum tax. I didn't like it from the start. All right, and I thought it was all window dressing and a bunch of noise. I think it is too. I think it is too. I think it that. Well, actually, the average voter didn't even care. That's right. I don't think they care. Okay, let's go to the call. All right, let's um, <laughs> let's um, talk with Allison. Allison, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Good morning. Hi, Allison. Hi. What can we do for you? Well, my question is relative to uh, Bankrate.com. Okay. And I I hear you guys pitch it, and I've looked it up, and admittedly, I haven't looked for a couple of months. But I can't figure out a way to invest um, in my trust, which I try to do for every single financial interest I have. What do you mean? I don't understand. Well, well when you, when you want to invest in your ownership and put it in the Allison Jones Trust, is this I a, don't see an option. For oh, well, no. So. So remember, bankrate.com is just a website that displays rates of returns uh, between online banks and mortgage companies and other financial instruments. So the bank rate is there. So let's just say you landed on Ally Bank or Synchrony Bank or whatever bank, right? You're saying that you can't figure out – and this is a revocable trust. This is a family uh, living trust, correct? Yes. Um. I have one, and I have invested through those. I have as well. So I don't understand how you're running into a problem there. Okay, then I'm missing a step. So, I just didn't go far enough. So, so but sometimes it can get confusing because it's a. Sometimes it's actually it's, it's a, a it's a it's disregarded a, entity. So there's some legal terminology sometimes gets confusing that I get confused and uh, I need to get legal counsel periodically. Now, in thinking about this, what happens is you. Actually, I had to call that particular bank because they could not do it online because they didn't have a button to click for trust, the one I was using. They actually sent me to a trust department to open an account that was experienced in opening trust. So what bank okay, okay. What bank are you looking at? 
It's, it doesn't matter. It, it just know, it doesn't I, matter. Okay. Whatever's got the so highest. I, I, if they, and if by the way, the insurance, whoever's at the highest rate, who cares? By the way, um, the bank FDIC insurance in a trust is higher than it would be normally. Yes. Uh, it's the right. number of trustees multiplied by the number of beneficiaries of the trust not to exceed eight. So eight times 250 is 2 million. So you can actually put $2 million in an FDIC account as long as there's two trustees and four beneficiaries and get that much coverage. If it's one trustee and three beneficiaries, then it'd be the FDIC coverage. Now, if would you have that much cash, there's a lot of cash sitting in the bank. And it you've is. got to ask yourself, is that what you're going to be doing long term with that much cash? But That's right. But <laughs> anyway, there's a little bit of minutia yeah. about oh, FDIC oh, I, I, that no yeah. one really cares about. Yes. Mm. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I'm very familiar with that aspect yeah. of it. But um, yeah, it sounds like yeah. you just need to give them a call and uh, say, "Hey, I, I can't figure this out online. Help me through it." And you can, you most certainly can set up a bank account and have it titled in the name of your revocable family living trust. Yeah, and some of them, it actually one is a. Like a constant saver, and the other is a checking account. You have to open both so that if you need to get access to the money, you move it from one account to the other so you can write a check out. But that's just. And I know they say that you should have every asset you own in the living trust. And I think I've got a few things that aren't. I, my largest thing, certainly, like my family, my checking account that I set up when I was first married, I never bothered to change the title on it. I just figure when I die, there's going to be enough cleanup work anyway. <laughs> there is a pour-over will associated with and your trust. And a pour-over will, I know, for something like that. Yeah. Be, and we might, they might choose to probate a certain amount, too. You might. I won't. I won't be around, but that might be the decision. I, I, I actually, I think I, well, if something happens to both you and your wife, I would be the one, and I would most certainly uh, uh, talk to the attorneys <laughs> about opening probate. Okay. Why right. would you open probate? I don't know. Well, if there's uh, some creditors, I want to I want to make sure there's no no one coming out of the woodwork, and it's a public forum and it takes a period of time. When it's finite, when it's over, it's over. There you go. Right. That's why the whole point behind probate. But you wouldn't put the whole. You wouldn't want no, the no, whole no. trust to go through probate. Just a little bit, and then just to make sure there's no creditors out there, so that no, somebody doesn't come lurking four years down the road and say, "Hey, yeah, you cheated me." Yeah. No. All right. Uh, we're in Michigan talking to Xander. Xander, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, could could you hear me? Yes. Welcome to the All program. Right. So, yep. Thank you very much. Excited to be on. Oh, good. Um, so, I had a couple questions around uh, the fire movement. So, I guess I'm a uh, advocate of it. Okay. And you know, I wanted to kind of review my plan for it. And is number two, if my current Asset allocation makes sense for that. All right. And for the rest of the listeners, or all of you listeners, FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. Which, by the way, I find curious that the people that actually write most of these blogs and articles about the FIRE movement actually are getting paid to write the blogs and the articles about the fire. Movement. So not exactly. They're, they're FI, but not RE. <laughs> Correct. I love FI. <laughs> Financial independence. Yeah. The retire. I'm not, I don't know about retire. I'm not early. retired. So yeah. And it's not because I'm, I, I need the paycheck. Yeah. So go so, ahead. Yep. So far away, show us, no, share your plan I'm with us and then tell us what kind of van you're going to buy and drive all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> Those Sprinter vans, have you seen the price? They've gone up through the roof. Oh, incredible. Anyway, go <laughs> okay, so so just bring us through yeah, the whole I'm more story. focus on the FI side as well. Okay. Right? Um, subscribe to your uh, financial security where work is an option, not an obligation, right? Yeah, thank so you. So when exactly. I say retire, I mean take a drastic pay cut, so to speak, and do something that is less you know, physically and emotionally taxing, perhaps. And maybe something that you have more uh, of a passion for. Yes, yeah. Yeah, good for you. So here's my, I guess, overview, right, financial and job-wise. Um, so I am a aggressive saver, right? So between my, me and my wife, we kind of max our 401ks, 457s, 403s, you know, double back to a Ross. And I also um, put about maybe 3000 a month towards a taxable account, which in my mind is bucketed for retirement or any kind of family items. Okay. Um, our overall income is around 250 
uh, annually. I'm about 180, wife is around 70-ish. And looking at the retirement accounts, I have around uh, 5401K. We have 200 Roth, and then my wife's 457 and 403 are also Roth as well. And our taxable what, between us. How much is in that your wife's, how much is your wife's 403B and 401K? How much is that Roth? Um, she has a 457B and a 403B and they're both Roth. Yeah, how much is in the, how much is in that? What? 100, 100K. Okay, 100K okay. All right, that's the 200 in Roth. Okay. Oh, the 200 is separate. She has a Roth that's about 100. I have a Roth that's about 100 as well. Okay, so there's two, so, there's 400,000 total in. Uh, got it, got it, got it, got it. All right. In, uh, three, 300 in Roth and 500 in tax advantage. Thank okay. you. And then how much yeah. do you have in a brokerage account, your taxable account? Um, we have about 680 between both of us. <laughs> how old are you? He's 35. 35? You are aggressive. I saw it on the aggressive note here, saver. but he hadn't said that. Yeah. Oh, he didn't. That's right. Yeah. 35. Oh, 35. All right. Maybe we should be calling you. <laughs> okay. Well, well, maybe. Maybe. And do you have children? Uh, we have one children, um, about a year old. But, okay. And know, what's your question? I guess the challenge is there's, you know, there's so much unknowns in the future, right? So I guess if I was your nephew and I'm, I'm telling you, hey, I want to, you know, retire from this job and basically come out income by let's say to a third right what would you what would you tell well, tell me what you know, what are you actually living years? on you got a family income of 250 but with all these savings what are you actually living on yeah is it a hundred grand a year probably less um probably around well i guess the child care is a lot right so child care plus mortgage so i'm Guessing around like six, seven grand a month. And what's the value of your home? Um, so there's two houses. Um, house one has around 170 in equity, and around and it's 450k is the value. House two has around 155k in equity, and it's valued around 480. And are you living in both these houses? Is one a vacation home? One is a rental that basically just breaks even. How much so we, we were going to try to sell it, but you know, how much you owe on your, for a while? How much you owe on your primary residence? Uh, three twenty-five k at two point seven five. Are you uh, are you accelerating payments on that? Um, I'm not, but I did accelerate a lot on the previous one when I, um, I guess, was more nervous about the market, right? So kind of went away from if that. If we step back a little further, like 30, for 30 years I've been helping people transition from the workplace to retirement, right? Mm-hmm. And I, some people love their career, love their job, kind of want to keep doing it. But there's a lot of people I talk to that come in like, how many more years do I have to work, right? And, or even worse, like I can't stand my job, but I've got eight more years for my pension. So I'm sticking around because I, I have to, because the pension's too, too much. Um, you, you are obviously of the mindset that uh, material things and spending money and stuff isn't necessarily the key to happiness. That's why you are saving such a large amount. Uh, and 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 transition into something that you really enjoy doing as opposed to something you feel you have to do, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that's a, a great way to go through life. And I think a lot of people would be happier on less income doing something they love than making more income on something they, they don't love. The, the concept of financial independence, the, the, the closer we are to the end of our lives, the easier it becomes. When we're 35, let's say you've got... 50, 60 years left. Like mm-hmm. we could all, you're only going to achieve a certain amount of security. Like one, we never know if there's hyperinflation in the future. Like 
I mean, there's some advocating that the, the, the foundations that our government is built on should be broken and replaced with something different. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, so a lots of things could happen. So you're not, you're never going to get to a hundred percent probability, right? There's, you're always going to have some degree of, of risk that's out there. And part of it is getting to the point where you feel comfortable enough and confident enough that look, everything looks good, but always be flexible enough to flex in case something changes in the future. So if you said five years at this current rate, how do you, is that what look? you say? Five years. Yeah. You did say five years, correct? Yeah. That was my goal in about five years. You you did say five years. So why don't you accelerate the payments on your home, right? To build a bedrock, a wall around your family. Um, I know it's not the highest rate of return, but it's the one that's going to give you the most financial peace in the long run. And assume that this is the last house you're ever going to live in. And then pull back a little bit on the savings on the other side. And for five years, I don't, you know, I don't know whether both of you can quit at that point in time, but you both both certainly could be able to take, um, and you could today if you wanted to, a substantial drop in income, but that may not be what you want. Maybe you want in five years that when your son is, what, six, that your wife or you are only working 20 hours a week or no hours a week, but I would start by paying down the home, um, you know, it, but I would I would war, warn you, Xander. I have four children from the ages of twenty one to twenty six, almost twenty six, and I tell them constantly, enjoy the journey, or the destination won't matter. Right? Enjoy the journey, yeah. or the destination won't matter. And, and personally, uh, twenty one years ago, I'm I was early. I was about your age, thirty four, and I went had a business consultant to help me try to figure out how to cut my work time because my work, I was working too much and tra- and like, like, and I'm going to miss opportunities. I've got kids. I want to be at the, their games. I want to drive into their practices. Like how do I get some margin? And I worked pretty diligently to get my work schedule such that sometimes people think that I'm so busy. I'm really not always that busy. Like I've got, I've got a lot of margin in, in my life. And, and so I, I'm not having to look for this retirement date when I could, then have time to do the things I love to do because I find the time. So that's today. always an alternative. But the financial question is, yes, you're 100% on track towards your goal in five years. Pay off the mortgage yeah. first and then continue saving aggressively on the other side. And at that point in time, at the age of 40, you could actually never work again. You'll be fine as long as you maintain a relatively modest lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. So, and I also like the idea of getting the home paid off because it's – Money going out, it's the same as money. It's the bedrock around. It's psychologically, it is a great place to anchor. Yep, and particularly in financial downturns. Like the people that in the, in the last financial crisis that had their homes paid off were much more confident in their port, in their overall investment portfolio than the ones that like still owed a few hundred grand on their houses. So, so appreciate the call. Yeah. Let's talk with Debbie. Debbie, you're worth all worth money matters. Hello. Hi, Debbie. So my question is that recently I inherited about a million dollars and I've done some financial planning and I want to set aside about half of that uh, in something safe because I anticipate needing to use that in the next three to five years. But the other half of that money, half a million dollars, I'd like to put to work on generating some income for my retirement. Are you retired today? And so I'm, I am retired. I just retired. Yes. I'm 55 years old. My husband is still working and he won't be retiring for another three, three and a half years. Okay. And so so why, 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 you're you're planning on spending 500,000, half in the next three to five years. Where, where are you planning? Where's those dollars going to go? You buying another piece of property? Yeah, our plan is to move uh, when my husband retires and the place that we want to move to be closer to our friends and family is a little more expensive than where we live now. Okay. So we've allocated a couple hundred thousand dollars for that just in case. 
Fair enough. And then we also would like to purchase an RV and start traveling. All right. So put that in a, a high-yielding online savings it's account. It's not high-yielding. Higher than zero. Okay. Well, they call them high-yielding. You're, you're going to have to – you're stuck with not getting much money in that because the last thing you want to do is take some risk with those dollars. Suddenly you go to buy the house and your account balance is down. I mean, it's – so go to bankrate.com and look for the highest yielding the money market. And they might call them high yield, but to Scott's point, they're not really high yield. <laughs> um, the rest of the money, uh, do you have a, well, you're retired. Does your, does your husband have a 401k, 457 that you're making contributions to now? He is making contributions to a 401k. It's the maximum? Um, I also... Um, no, not the maximum. Cause right now we're living off of his income. Okay. Um, but he has a pension and, or he will have a pension coming. Um, and I've got about 600,000 in IRAs, pre-tax IRAs. Plus I inherited another 300,000 in inherited IRAs that I have to take out in the next 10 years. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so th- with those dollars, uh, I would maximize the husband's, your husband's 401k. Yeah. Look, but and also okay. I would I would I would allocate these I, I would allocate these a hundred percent in stock funds, ETFs, and get your overall balance in your other pieces of your portfolio because this inherited IRA, three hundred grand, that's gonna come out. You can control the time and you can wait till year ten, but it's probably not what you're gonna want to do. So you need some real good planning to, to on that. But those dollars are gonna come out earlier. And these dollars the five hundred thousand you're talking about investing, you can earmark those for not spending for another decade. That's right. That's right. That's right. And you, so now we, we want to be focused on where we're going to have the best possibility for growth and have some tax advantages. For Recognize that. that this is separate property. This is not part of marital property, which means if you commingle these dollars with your husband's money, family property, community property, uh, it becomes community property. Yeah, and um. Yeah, the, the the way this is invested, it, you've got lots of moving parts, and you really need to look at everything as a whole. When's your husband going to retire, right? And so I and yeah, you may not want to take the distributions on the IRA until he retires. Got ten years to do it. Yeah, and do it year six through ten instead of uh, one through ten. Who knows? But all those needs you need to we need to think through all those things. Then, after we've done all the planning, then we could figure out the best way to invest those dollars. Unfortunately, we are out of time, and the time goes by quick. It's great being with everyone uh, this week. If We've got a couple good uh, articles on our website, allworthfinancial.com. If you don't have a 401k, what are the other options? And also some Medicare open enrollment reminders. So we'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.